Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. To serve the next generation, to wash their feet. It's, it's on us. And so go ahead and put that uh, slide up there. Um, it's just some great looking people. Uh, what I put this up there, so there's, there's some needs. Kristen pointed to it at the beginning, and it was wonderful. Child care needs volunteers, guys. Last week, I'm just going to be honest, it was loud in here. It was crazy in here. And it's okay. Like Andrew said, it's okay. If your kids were being loud, my kids have been loud. That's not what I'm saying. But it's an opportunity to serve a mom. I have four kids, and I've had a wife look at me before like, And sometimes when a mom can drop their little ones off back there and come in here and sit without them crawling all over them is a blessing. And that's the way we serve one another. And then other times it's your day. You're back there holding them. Like Josh and I were just talking, you hold the little, you know, if you're holding a baby, you're like, that's how I'd hold a baby. You don't want me back here. Get them, you know? But it's serving each other. So childcare needs volunteers. And if you do sign up, follow through do it. Get on the list. Uh, youth leaders. Caleb needs more youth leaders, guys. You see what God's doing? Join it, okay? Uh, family ministry. You guys know I've been on the hunt for a family ministry director, uh, and I have ran down some amazing people that were referred to me. And we're praying, but for the most part, I still don't have a family ministry director. So I'm praying. I've, I've brought you guys into the prayer, into the conversation. We need someone that feels called and is qualified to do that. And what we're kind of maybe even discussing, if that doesn't happen, it may be a shared effort. It may be more of a committee. We're working on stuff. But if you're interested in that, please just, just step up and, and talk to me about it. That's, I'm the guy in the blue shirt. <laughs> That's me. That's my email, Stace, uh, email one of us. Um, if I also want to say this for family ministry. And we're working on some things. The big idea is to teach parents or help parents learn how to talk to their kids and grow their kids in Christ. And I know there's things, and you, 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 we all have opinions, but there's things that we want to do. And that's as a church, we do not want to lose grip of that vision. And what happens back there is good. There's areas that it can get better. And maybe some of you are called to help that. Some of you parents, I mean it, and I'm saying this in love, join the team. Other parents are back there watching your kids, serving your kids. They don't want to be back there either. Just honest. Uh, But they're doing their part. We serve each other. We lean inward. We carry each other's burdens. So that's, I wouldn't be a very good pastor if I didn't say stuff like that. So I do want to push on you guys. Sign up, volunteer, do the work. And now I do, we're a generational church. Everybody that's, now this is going to be a little Everybody that's under 17, stand up. Just, if you're under 17, you, if you don't know your age, that's a problem. If you're under 17, stand up. Stand up, 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 stand up. We're outnumbered, guys. That's what I'm basically kind of showing here. We're outnumbered. But listen, it's low-hanging fruit. And you're going to see, and we'll talk about Timothy here and Paul. It's low-hanging fruit. We have young people that are ready. We have people that God has for you, whether it's little, little, or teenage, smelly, whatever Amanda was saying, there's a need. 
So let's pray, and then after I pray, you know, all the kids with family ministry and the leaders are, are free to go. All right, Father, 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 whoo. You know us, you see us, and you're here. And I know, Lord Jesus, you've, you've, you've really reckoned with me on how to focus on the next generation, or at least to try to fight this fight. So bring that conviction, bring that word, bring that concern, bring that anointing, bring that Holy Spirit to this church where we want to serve the young people, where we want to lay our lives down so they'll know about you and know who you are and they'll trust you as we trust you. So Father, I ask that every ministry that's aimed towards youth in this church would be blessed, would be filled, would be filled with volunteers ready to serve, people willing, able, qualified. Father, I ask that you bless our youth, that we won't be a church 20 years from now, looks around and says, where'd they all go? But instead, the world will be changed by these young people in this room, that they will go into the world equipped, filled, ready. Will you do that here, Jesus? Will you do that with us? Will you help us to care about the next generation and do our part? Bless our kids. Jesus, in your name, amen. All right, family ministry kids and leaders, you're free to go. And I started crying already. Where's Nick? What was he saying about crying? I have no problem with public crying. Oh, gosh. Blech. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. That's where we're at. That's where we're ending. Andrew's been taking us through the book of 2 Timothy. It's believed to be the last letter that Paul wrote before he died, um, which has got a lot of weight. So really, you, there's a real chance what we're going to read through today is the last stuff Paul said and wrote before he went to be with the, the Lord Jesus. Kind of cool. I don't know. But let's, uh, let's read it. <laughs> I'm going to have you stand and read it like Andrew did. I, don't, I had a friend tell me that that was like triggering because they grew up in a very liturgical uh, church, I believe. And they're like, what's this standing and reading the Bible business? I don't know. We're just going to stand and read the Bible anyways. Um, all right, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read the whole chapter and then we're going to unpack uh, a few of the verses and a few of the topics that are in there. So read along with me. Chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. 
and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has departed me and gone to Thessalonica. We're going to struggle with some bigger words here. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Uh, that's probably not right. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come back, come when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Tros, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to me or came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fulfilled or fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Then he says, I'll try it, guys. I'll just try it. Bear with me. <laughs> Greet Prisca and Aquila in the household of Onesphorus. Somebody else said it way better. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, and Miletus. Do your best to come before the winter. Uh, Ebulus sends greeting to you as do Pudens and Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Oh, man. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for tough new words. But thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful. And I pray, Lord, as I preach through some of these topics in this chapter, that they make sense, that we would receive them, that you would speak clearly, that my mouth would be your mouth, and that our ears would be open and our hearts would be humble. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. We did it. We did it. And if you're thinking, if you're pregnant and you're thinking of some names to call the baby, I think there's some real good ones there um, that nobody will be able to pronounce. Oh, all right. So the first thing I wanted to talk about, and I'm going to dip a little bit back into uh, chapter three uh, at the end, and Andrew covered this a bit, but I, I feel like, you know, they didn't have chapters when they wrote this. It's, this is all later, uh, this is a later time where they've put in the chapters and the numbers and all that. So I kind of think maybe number chapter four kind of overstepped. Um, so I want you to take a look at 2 Timothy 3, 15, and then we're going to read down to 4, 2, and we're going to unpack it. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, um, and this is good even for like our family ministry and child care and some of this. This has been speaking to me. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. And we'll stop there. Now remember, Andrew told us this, guys. This is a pastor's book. 
This is not necessarily a, a letter that was meant to be read in front of a church. It was Paul talking to Timothy who pastored a church in Ephesus. Um, so that's kind of the big idea. He's instructing him. However, I'm going to swing it a little bit because not everyone in this room is called to be a pastor or an elder or a preacher. But everybody in this room is called to be a receiver of the word and a receiver of preaching. So when I go through here, do you read your Bible with this kind of spirit? Did you, when you read your Bible, do you read it saying, hey, teach me? So that's what we're supposed to do, it says. Reproof. Reproof means chastise and reprimand. When I'm reading the Bible, I should be seeking for chastisement and reprimanding. Well, that doesn't sound fun. It does if you want to have a successful life in Christ. We should be searching for this. So when we read our Bible, correction, he says. We read our Bible and we receive correction. Don't live this way. Don't do that. Don't act that way with your money, with your marriage, with your time, etc., etc. We all know what the Bible says. It corrects us a lot. And then look, it says training in righteousness. The word of God, and I know some of them, well, they were talking about the Old Testament scriptures. Well, they're talking about the apostles' doctrine. You see that in Acts. They, at this time, the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing. And I, do, I, I really believe Paul understood what he was saying. And I don't think it was just, oh, read the Old Testament. He understood that what he was writing, this is, remember, even in Acts, apostles' doctrine, okay? So just in case your mind's like, well, are we supposed to? They knew, I really believe, and if they didn't, the Holy Spirit knew, this is the word of God. Their letters, their instruction, and a lot of what Paul wrote, okay? So, don't, you know, some people are like, try to get clever, and, oh, they were talking about this. Well, I think we're talking about this. So training in righteousness, Training in righteousness. The Bible teaches you how to be righteous. The Bible helps, okay? So when you read your Bible, do you read it that way? If you don't, start. This is simple. This is, this is real. This will change your life. When you, when you guys start reading your Bible, and I pray you do, every Christian should, should have a hunger for this, you should start going through, and before you read, you ask the Lord to sit for this. Lord, teach me through your word. Lord, reproof me through your word. Lord, correct me through your word. Lord, train me in righteousness. Show me how to do these things in the word. I read that this is what it's supposed to do. Do it in me. Do it with me, please. Okay? Now he goes into, like I said, I think they're one that like kind of connected. So then he goes in, Paul starts talking to Timothy, who is a preacher, who is an overseer, who is an elder, and he kind of puts a little weight on it, says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. That's like, that's like a boom. Pay attention to this. Preach the word. Woo, amen. If you like to preach, and I do, I say amen to that. <laughs> I, I don't I'm go down that rabbit, rabbit trail, but... You know, there's this idea that sometimes that, wait, do we really need to do this, get together and have preaching? Can't we just all get together? Preachers preach. God has established preaching. It's part of what the, the, the kingdom of heaven on earth looks like. It's how we change. So anyways, look what preaching does. Look at it again. It reproves, chastises and reprimands. It rebukes sharp disapproval because of actions and behavior. 
It exhorts, which means encourage or urge. Encourage or urge. Don't do that. Do this. With complete, now this is the, the, the pastor part. When you do this, if you have that calling, with complete patience and teaching. We live in a day and a time in the last probably 30 years, the whole seeker-sensitive movement got rolling. Tell me what I want to hear. I just want to go to church and be told I'm good. I just want to pat on the back. I just want to feel warm and fuzzy. And don't get me wrong, there's times for that. And our Father does do that, and the Word of God does do that. The hang in there, you're loved, you're beloved, you're seen, He's for you, you're never alone. There's so much teaching in this Word that way. But clearly, if I was reading a letter from Paul like Timothy, clearly the job of a preacher and a teacher is to say, stop, be careful, you're wrong. And we live in a world, oh man, I don't want to go to that church. <laughs> and of course you want it done in love. Nobody wants a jerk yelling at them all the time, telling them how wrong they are. But, but let me ask you guys, is, do you come to church with this heart? Do you hope Andrew's our primary teacher and preacher? Do you say, I'm ready, I'm going to church today and I want to be reproved, rebuked, exhorted with complete patience. Bring it, Andrew, right? <laughs> Maybe you should. You're like, no, I don't do that. What am I, stupid? No, it's like, that's the heart, right? See, I want to talk about the position of our, our heart. We come together. Maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's a book. I see some of you are like, well, I don't really grow in this teaching. That's fair. I get it. But maybe you, I don't get it. But maybe it's fair. <laughs> I do grow with Andrew's preaching and teaching. I want to say that. Uh, and this, this big red is, 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 he's really something. So... <laughs> I'm sorry guys I'm just being funny Oh, you gotta laugh to some degree anyway when you podcast and many of us do we podcast preachers we listen we read articles we listen to stuff what is it? what are you getting? is it, is it something that you're like well I needed this and, and it's okay if you do but this is, this is the motive this should be the template of what I get in my life and it all comes back to the, what he was saying because if you sit under good preaching and teaching, that is, that is orthodox, that is the Bible, and if you sit under the, the Word of God, with doing the Word of God stuff, you end up with 317. This is what you end up with. That the man or woman of God, it's fair to say it's just man just in general, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I don't know about you guys. I may not want to be yelled at, I may not want to be rebu rebu rebuked, reproofed, and so on and so forth, but I do want to be complete, equipped, and have uh, for every good work. So right there, right there is, is a secret, right? It's like, what? You can be complete. You can be equipped, ready for every good work. Sit under good preaching and teaching and read the Bible with the right heart. Isn't that cool? So every one of us may be like, well, yeah, I don't, it's a little rough on me, but I want to be fruitful. I want to be complete equipped for every good work. Amen? All right, so I move on. The next, <laughs> the next thing that I really kind of want to talk about is even in our society, we understand that truth matters. Um, 
if I go to the doctor and I'm drinking 16 do, di, uh, a Mountain Dews a day <laughs> and I have diabetes, you know, they're going to probably tell me to stop drinking 16 Mountain Dews a day, right? That's truth. Truth changes you. I get, once again, this, this is on the same thought. I can be like, well, but that's truth, right? We all know Andrew has a, has a gym, CrossFit gym. And if I'm wanting to shave a few pounds and I go over there and I'll be like, I don't want to do this. He's fine. It'd be fine. But you're not going to lose weight without the pain, without the truth of the fight. Okay? I mean, this is what I'm trying to get. If I, if I want to change my finances and I have gone through this, how I handle my money, I have to hear hard truths that I'm the guy doing it wrong and I change and the situation changes. We seem to get it in the world, but somehow, some last few decades, the body of Christ, I think, has gotten where it's like, well, I don't want the hard truth. And I, and I think this, and I'll say this, and I've heard other pastors say this, hard messages make soft Christians. Soft messages make hard Christians. You hear me on that? The word of God changes us. So whether you, and I'll just be honest, whether you're called to cobblestone for a long time or God's going to call you away six months, six years, find a church and find a group of people that sit under the word of God and have preaching and teaching that is the word of God. Because you'll be good. You'll be better for it. All right, I belabor that topic. You've got to get truth to get changing results. That's the big idea. Now, now, look at what he, what he does. He sets him all up. He talks about the Bible. He talks about uh, teaching. And then he says, in a warning to the pastor Timothy, for the time is coming, verse 3, 4, 3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Uh-oh. Prophesied. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is going to happen. This is happened. This is past tense. Put that article up there, uh, guys, that one article. Read, the, read along with me on this. This is, this, I just, I just, I know stats are kind of whatever, but I think this makes a good point. I wanted you guys to see that this isn't just Jeremiah thinking. I did some studying, looking up, and everything on the internet's true, right? So, <laughs> uh, but look, I read this, and this is a 2022 study. Um, a record low, 20% Americans now say the Bible is the literal word of God. Let's just sit on that for a minute. A record low, 20% Americans. Now, there's a pretty high percentage. I think it's like 54% of Americans that still says they're Christian. So keep that in mind. Bible is the literal word of God. Down from 24% the last time the question was asked in 2017. So it's declining, even from 17 to 22, and half of what it was in the high points in the 80s, in the 1980 and 84. So since 1980, America said, like they really believe the word of God was, was, was right. Now we're there. Meanwhile, a new high of 29% say the Bible is a collection of fables, legends, history, and moral precepts recorded by man. This marks the first time in significant more than Americans have viewed the Bible as not divinely inspired than as the literal word of God. 2022, the largest percentage, 49%, choose the middle alternative roughly in line with where it has been in previous years. Paul told Timothy and... 4.3 says, for the time is coming 
when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Are we there? We're seeing it, okay? Next article, put that one up there. You go like, man, this guy's just, this is my last one, so. And Andrew's like, there's so much to read here. So we're all right, Andrew, we're doing it, buddy. Um, <laughs> if you can only see the highlights. But I'm gonna read it, because there's a couple things in this article that I really think speak to what we're saying today. A new nationwide survey of America's Christian pastors shows that a majority of pastors lack a biblical worldview. In fact, just slightly more than a third, 37%, possess a biblical worldview. And the majority, 62%, hold a hybrid worldview known as syncretism. It's a combination. It's evil. That word, syncretism, all you, get, all you need to know is that's dangerous. Uh, these shocking findings are part of the American Worldview Inventory 2022 Conduct Cultural Research Center, Arizona University, blah, blah, blah. Skip down here. According to this latest report, the level of biblical worldview varies by the pastoral position held among senior pastors. They're breaking it down. For instance, 41% hold a biblical worldview. Senior pastors have the highest. The highest incidence among any of the five pastoral positions studied next, highest was the 28% among associate pastors. So the associate pastor, the percentage of associate pastors don't even match to this, the percentages of senior pastors. Okay, bear with me. One of the more concerning revelations emerging from the research, like check this out, this scares me, from the research is the worldview of pastors who work with young people. Ugh. See, this is what gets us crying even to Heather about. This. One of the more concerning revelations emerging from the research is the worldview of pastors who work with young people. Barnano, the study found that only 12% of children's and youth pastors hold a biblical worldview. And among teaching pastors, the level of biblical worldview is mere 13%. Our kids are paying the price. We have liars in pulpits. We have false teaching going out in their ears. And we can't figure out why our, our kids are wandering away. A person's worldview primarily develops before the age of 13, then goes through a period of refinement during their teens and 20s. Therefore, from a worldview development perspective, a church's most important ministers are the children's pastor and the youth pastor. I don't know why God's taking this on me and putting this all on me. To, and even what we said earlier, and like I said, Timothy to Paul, it's a generational thing. But if we don't get after our kids, guys, this is bad. These are statistics. These are percentages. And I know it's like whatever. And I know our God is bigger. And I know all that and believe all that. But it takes effort. It takes sacrifice. It takes people saying, not on my watch. I'm going to stand and I'm going to teach and I'm going to love them. And I'm going to do the, I'm going to actually look at the Bible the way the Bible tells me to look at it. So, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to truth and wander off into myths. I'm going to break down four things because even, guys, listen, I struggle with itching ears. Itching ears is a term that, they, that, that he used in the scripture 
that actually talks about hearing what you want to hear, right? It itches. Tell me what I want to hear. Make me feel good, okay? I got four topics here that I'm just going to speak to. I'm not beating anybody up, but I have a feeling if you're like me, we all have a little bit of itching ear problem. Number one, theological itching ears. Theological itching ears. Study of God, right? So the theological itching ear is this. When I read the Bible, it says God is loving, compassionate, full of grace and mercy. Yeah, yeah, tell me that. That feels good. But also when I read the Bible, it tells me he's sovereign, just, judge, punisher of evil and evil people. He has people go to hell. It tells me this. Now what I'm saying is theological itching ear people will, and I've been in these conversations, they'll start scratching their ear, they'll start saying, oh, I can't believe in a God that sends people to hell. I can't buy it. I like the Jesus guy. I like that. And if, see, they, they start to tear the New Testament from the Old Testament. They start to see the God in the Old Testament as wicked because he mopped the floor with a bunch of, you know, ites. And he just, he, he just basically knocked people out and peoples out. And you start to look at it, and so then theologically itching ears, you start to say, we got to come up with a better God, because this God's, he, he, he's mean at times, he's judgy, he's harsh, he's scary. But it also says he's love, right? Right? God is love. Well, I hear this, one. God is love, but love is not God. It's an attribute of God. My point is this, You'll see, do you see this? Even as I say these things, you, oh, you're right, Jeremiah. There are people out there that stop. I'm not going to read the Old Testament. I don't want to be. You better read the Old Testament. Jesus did. Jesus fulfilled it. Jesus preached it. Jesus is the, is the fulfilling of the Old Testament. Our Father is a judge and scary and just. He is. And there is mystery in him. Okay, I don't want to preach on that. My point was this. Theologically itching ears can cause you to head down paths and start heaping up preachers and teachers to tell me what I want to hear. Dangerous. Number two, lifestyle itching ears. And we live this so often in ours. Often itching ears don't begin with belief, but behavior. Listen to me. Itching ears often don't begin with the belief but with a behavior. How can I want to be this, live this way, et cetera, et cetera. So then they start to, they start to itch and look for teachers that might say, I want my God to approve of what and how I think and what culture thinks and says. I want my God to approve of what and how I think, my friends think, my age bracket thinks, and culture tells me, they, if, if our country says it's good, then it's got to be good, right? If our country says it's legal, then it's got to be right. I want a God like that. So we start, we, we start seeing people go, and they, 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 they start heaping up. No, nah, this pastor will tell me that. This pastor will preach that to me. This pastor makes me feel good about this situation or sinful lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera. Rather, rather than I submit my thoughts, views, beliefs to his word, and biblical preaching. You guys see the you see how this can this can happen too in our lives like friends of ours. 
Every, even Brookville, little old Brookville, you'll see this. People starting to compromise. Well, I guess God really didn't mean that. Didn't really mean that. How could he? I get, see what I'm getting at? It's like itching ears. And we start to backpedal and we start to make a God that is not the God of the Bible. And we end up in dangerous places, believing dangerous things, leading people to dangerous places. So the third one is the ethical itchy ears. Ethical itchy ears. Moral principles that deal with how we live, seek, teaching, and teachers that support our views. So you come in here and you're like, I already have a worldview that I think this, this, and this. And when the Bible is presented through Andrew or a preacher or a teacher, and it counters your worldview that mom, grandma, that system, who knows, your education told you, you say, hmm, agree to disagree. Which, whatever, you can agree to disagree. But I'm just saying, that's where we start to itch. So then I start to look for a church or a pastor or preachers that will not stand on that that will pull away from that thing that I didn't like. And I, we start to have ethical, itchy ears. Rather than our views made and forged through the word of God and biblical teaching and preaching. Remember guys, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a, a bad guy. This is kind of a heavy message I, I'm picking up. Um, but remember the Bible was what? Teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Preaching was what? Reprove, rebuke, exhort. There's a theme here that we're wrong, this is right. When we say, yeah, but, and this says, this is the truth, we have an option. We can itch our ears, find people to tell us the yeah, but, or we can bow and humble, and even sometimes say, God, I don't like it. That's okay. I don't like this, Lord. I don't love the whole idea of giving and tithing, right? That's tough sometimes, the money. I don't, you know, loving, forgiving. I think we all get frustrated when Jesus tells us to forgive. I don't want to forgive him. I want to be angry and hold grudges. But the Bible tells us, the word of God tells us. And we know, see what I'm getting at? So let the Bible change you. Let it forge your beliefs. Watch out for itching ears. And the last one, and this has come up really strong <laughs> in 2020, the political itchy ear. The political itchy ear is this. Got to have the same politics. I won't receive the word of God unless that preacher or that church stands exactly where I stand. If they're not Republican, I ain't going. If they're not Democrat, I ain't going. Got to have the same politics. I'm going to side with this group. I'm going to listen to this podcast. If I listen to that podcast, well, I know that guy voted this way, so I won't, even if it's truth. It's real, right? You guys see this. this is, and this is a dividing, not just in the country, this is a dividing in the church politics. Whew. Often they get so rigid, or so many people get so rigid on politics. But if I'm honest, some of my own friends, I've seen this, they're rigid on politics, but soft and ignorant on the Bible. So they'll easily be like, rah, 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 and like, for instance, this is just honest. Well, we'll just say, people say, Joe Biden, he's not my president. <laughs> Joe Biden's not my president. So I ain't going to pray for him. Right, that's how they sound in my ears. So I'm not gonna pray for him. The Bible tells us to pray for our leaders. Well, he ain't my president. Don't try to do word gymnastics. Don't, well, he didn't really get voted in. See what I'm saying? Just if he's the president, pray for him. If they're your police, if they're, they're your leaders, if they're, pray for them. 
Just let the Bible, just, just, you say, Lord, I don't love praying for him because of this, this, and this. That's okay. But I'm going to pray blessings on him anyway. Because that's what we do as Christians. Because this is who we are. This is what we do. We follow this. Because Christ has called us up to it. Amen? So, or, or paying taxes. Oh, gosh. Wow, if the government spent money right, I would give them my taxes. I'm a businessman. I hear this pretty often. If the government, and we know the government spends money like stupid. We know that. Like, I mean, we all can agree on that. That's not the point. The point is the word of God tells me to pay taxes and honor, honor the government with what I'm supposed to. So I let that trump my attitude. Well, I just didn't. See? It's real, am I? I, mean, I think I'm like, oh, this is what I'm saying. I got itching ears too. And I'm like, oh gosh, Lord, have mercy on us. All right, I got to start landing this plane. You guys, I hope you still love me. I love you guys. I mean it. I'm like, I'm talking politics. This is dangerous. Um, all right, back to the word where we need to be. Second Timothy 4, 5. Look at this. After he warns about all these itching ears and all these people, and they will turn away and they'll listen to, to myths, he comes up on five. And I love verse five. Five is, if, if you get nothing else out of today, I think five's for you. I don't even know who you are, but I think five's for you. As for you, and he's talking to Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Things are collapsing, Timothy. Problems are going to be everywhere. He tells him elsewhere, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be treated basically like your, your uh, leader, Paul. They hated me. They hated you. They hated Jesus. But then he just tells him, he says, as for you, always be sober-minded. Sober-minded is, is just like it sounds. Be awake and aware to the realities of today. Don't live in a bubble. Don't live in a, everything's good when it's not. But also don't live in a, the, everything's bad when it's not. Be sober-minded. Be awake. Be aware, Timothy, Christian. Then he says, endure suffering. I just love that. Guess what, Christians? You're going to have to endure suffering. If we stand on this word, if we proclaim this word, if we live by this word, it will equal suffering to some degree. It just will. And then he says, um... Sober-minded, endure suffering, and then do the work of an evangelist. I love that. Just that, hey, don't forget lost people matter. And that's what I want to put on you guys. Just because they're, if you're a Republican and you ain't going to witness to a Democrat, witness to a Democrat. Democrats, witness to Republicans. Witness to homosexuals. Witness to everybody that you can. Stop picking and choosing. Do the work of an evangelist. Because you just don't know what they're going through. And it's so easy to position. Well, we know the truth. We just live in the truth and we just build up walls. No, 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 no. The world is ours to evangelize to. Get out there and love them. Tell them. Preach, preach, teach, invite, eat, drink coffee, talk, listen. Evangelize. All of us. The Bible actually tells us elsewhere. I know it's an actual gift. I know it's an actual position, a gift of evangelists. But there is, all of us do the work of evangelists, the word of God says elsewhere. Okay? And then this, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Paul is a big shadow to fall. Follow, right? Think about it. Think if your mentor was Apostle Paul, you're going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm really stinky at this. Fulfill your ministry, Timothy. 
So everybody in this church that's in Christ, everybody in this church that's in Christ, you gotta hear this, you have a ministry. It's not mine, and it's not Heather's, it's yours. You have a ministry. And for some of us, that's like, wow, what's that mean? Everybody in Christ has a ministry. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, look at this. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. So listen, if you actually have put your trust in Jesus Christ in this room, you have received the gift of God. Your salvation is a gift. Praise God for that. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. We didn't earn it, guys. But listen, 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has good works for you to do. You have to know that. Be prepared beforehand. I don't fully understand all of this, but I know it's true. And I want to walk in that. God has a plan for Jeremiah at 43 years old, and I want to do it. I want to fulfill my ministry. Do you? Do you pray that? Lord, help me to not miss it. What's my ministry? And I also am going to speak on this for a minute. The ministry you had 10 years ago may not be the ministry you have now. Ministry changes. What I was called, I've been a young life leader, I've been a young adult pastor, I've been a businessman. The ministry shifts. What I am currently doing for this church and in this church as an elder and administrative pastor, I assure you this, it's a different ministry than I've ever done and I'm not, I don't feel very qualified at it because I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, time's running short, so I'm gonna say a few things. If you think that fulfilling your ministry is feeling qualified first, you're misunderstanding. Everything I've ever done with the Lord, the Lord's like, do this, and he, I just start doing it. And he starts meeting me with people that know how to do it, <laughs> with people with good giftings. Whether it's business or ministry or even this thing that I'm doing now at Cobblestone, I don't have a clue. But God is great. <laughs> that makes you feel good, doesn't it? You're in good hands. <laughs> I'm a mess. <laughs> but no, seriously, guys, the ministry, fulfill the ministry. Spend time with the Lord. Ask the Lord. Of course, I was thinking about this because some people say, well, I'm not gifted at that. And nobody ever has a baby thinking they're qualified to have a baby. This Lord kind of dropped this on my heart on the way over here. I'm a dad of four kids. I didn't say, yeah, I got what it takes to be a dad of four kids. You know what happened? Well, you know what happened. And then... <laughs> And then I have a kid. I didn't know how to be a dad. I sought the Lord's face and he helped me love her and mess up and do good and do bad and love her and then love him and love the two little girls. Little, Hallie's 15, she's not little. But stop saying I'm not, I, I, just think about it. Nobody's like, well, I got the list. My, my, gift, my gifts test didn't line up. We just step into it, man. We just step into it with Jesus. We just step into it. So he says in, in, in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, I gotta, I gotta finish this because you gotta hear these words. You got to. And I got a little long-winded because I do that. Whew, amen, someone said. Um, <laughs> 2 Timothy 4 through 8, he says, 
kind of Paul sets the example that I think you need to hear and I need to hear. He says, fulfill your ministry. And then he goes into six, says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. It's Apostle Paul, right? Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on the day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now look, how do you fulfill your ministry? Jeremiah, please help me understand that a little bit better. Number one, Paul's example. Drink offering. He says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Drink offering, there was in the Old Testament, but it was also a, a, a known thing in the culture where they'd take an alcoholic beverage and they'd pour it on an altar. They'd pour it on an altar to, to honor this deity or this situation or this, you know, and of course, you go, the drink offering is in the Old Testament, talks about same thing, pouring out high quality alcohol for, on the ground. Now, you gotta hear this because this is, this is how you fulfill your ministry and this is gonna be counterproductive to what we think. You sacrifice. You, you gotta hear me on that. How do I fulfill my ministry? You sacrifice and you look stupid and it looks wasteful. And the world will look at you and say, why do you go to church? Why do you give your money? Why do you believe this book? You, you start to live in a way that others say, that's wasteful. And you say, uh-uh, you don't know Jesus like I do. So you are happy to take your life and lay it down on the altar. That's what Paul did. He, he threw away his life. He actually, absolutely did, if you want to look at it on world standards. Our Lord did it. Didn't, didn't have kids, 33. He threw away his life. You want to find your purpose and walk this thing out? Hand it all over to the Lord. We were talking about this with some friends not that long ago. Um, so often people say, well, I'm only going to give God this, this, and this. Give God everything in a total submission and say, Lord, what do you want me to have back? I'm talking about jobs, ministries, kids, homeschool, public school. See how we go to God and we say, oh, I'm not going to ask about that. Surrender everything at the altar and say, Lord, I don't want anything to get in the way of me and you and the ministry you have called me to. I submit it all to you. Is there something, is my house, do you want me to sell my house? Do you want me to get rid of this? Do you want me to stop, do you want us to move to another country? I am this radical about loving you. I surrender everything. What do you want? Position your heart in that way. And here's the coolest part. <laughs> so often we think, well, he's gonna just send you away. And he may, but he gives it back. He gives my marriage. He's, oh, no, no, no. Well, the kids love him this way. The, the business, I mean, he is, he's more, we act like God doesn't, he's not the God that gives good gifts. We act like scripture doesn't tell us that all good things come down from the father of lights. That if you ask for this, he's gonna give you a, a snake? No, no, no. So surrender, guys. Sacrifice, be drink offerings. Pour it out in front of the Lord. All right, worship team, you can go ahead and start heading on up. Okay. Whew. Then he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Right there is a picture of your life and my life in Christ. If you think it's going to be, I read a John Piper article yesterday. I didn't put it in there, but he's like, if you're not in a fight, you've either given up or you're perfect. And he said the fight with your flesh, your body, your mind, your family, your friends, your, sir, you're, we're all being sanctified, aren't we? 
We're all in something. What's fighting? He said, fight the good fight, right? Fight the good fight. What are you fighting? Your pride, your selfishness, your temptation for comfort, rejection, hurt, discouragement, unforgiveness, compromise, laziness, apathy, comfort, demonic. We're all fighting something. So fight the good fight. I have kept the faith. I've ran the race. I love how he uses the race. And then he talks about a crown, but it's actually, he's referring, a lot of people think that he was re- referring to the Roman, like, crown and the games. I've finished the race. You will see tons and tons and tons of scripture about not finishing. Jesus himself talks about it. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Revelations, all those churches, most of them in there. You have to endure. You have to make it. That's how you get it. Living 35, 40 years for Jesus and then just walking away doesn't do it. There's a, it, it and I, nope, I'm gonna go there. It's just, it's just a part of it, guys. You gotta finish. Now, verse eight. Because some of you are like, okay, good, fine. I hear you, Jeremiah. That's some tough stuff. That's some, that's some challenging stuff. But I just don't know if I have what it takes. And I'm going to give you what Paul, I believe Paul would tell you to have what it takes. Verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What's it take to do your ministry, to make it to the end, to finish, to fight the fight, to finish the race? Love is appearing. Hear me on this. Live every day loving his appearing. Jesus is returning. Every decision I make, everything that comes out of my mouth, if Jesus appeared 30 seconds after I said it, did it, watched it, behaved it, love his appearing. There's a prayer that they used to pray back, come Lord Jesus, come. Want him desperately. Want him in it. But see, well, that'll start revealing our hearts, right? Well, I don't really want God to come. I'm in, I'm in a bit of a thing right now. Love his appearing. And then he says in verse 16, this is the other thing I think Paul would tell you that's being poured out. It's a hard life. At my first defense, no one came to me to stand by me, but all deserted me. Pretty lonely walk Paul had. May it not be charged against them. 17, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles, hello Gentiles, hello, all the Gentiles might hear it. But the, I'm gonna read it again, listen to it, it's the word. It speaks that the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and the Gentiles might hear it. And so some of you, you're gonna have to just be honest and you're tired and you're weary and you're broken and you're like, I need Jesus to stand with me. It's okay. I need it often. So many things in my life right now end up me saying, I can't do this. And I'll literally go get on my knees and I'll ask him to supply my needs. In our ministries, if you can do it on your own, this is, this is I'm, I'm closing with this thought. Is it really God? God, I know this is crazy talk. Sounds nuts. But God wants to lead you to places where you cannot do it on your own so that he can reveal himself in a powerful new way to you. 
before you. That's the big idea with, with, with trusting Jesus. When he's walking with us, we'll end up in places where you're like, I just can't do it. Yes, but he can, you and him can. That's where he wants you. That's so often what he's leading us to. And here's the thing, you, you don't lose with that. And if you end up testing into something, walking in, it's like, well, that's not God's will. He'll, he's gracious, he speaks, he'll guide you out of it. So I'm gonna pray. Parents here in a minute are gonna have to go get kids. Talk to Lon. Uh, come back in and worship. Worship's gonna go on here. Prayer teams are gonna be up here. If you guys are just, you're, 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 you're feeling fatigued, you're feeling tired, maybe you don't know what your ministry is, it's, it's fair to, to think, what is my call? Am I doing it? Am I doing it the way God wants me to do it? Grab a friend and pray about these things. Spend time with the Lord and, and, and the body of Christ and just have them pray over you and with you. So I'm going to pray out. Lord, I thank you for the church. Oh, Father, I pray that we all can walk where we're called to walk. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the weary are strengthened, the lonely feel comforted. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the, if someone's in here and they're living in a rebellious way, that they feel called back. I pray, Lord Jesus, that everyone in here gets a hunger for the word of God and that we would read it right. I also pray, Father, that we would sit under and in good preaching and good teaching. I ask you, even at church here, Lord, that you would continually bless Cobblestone, that we would be a place where we do not bow down to the world, but that we stand for truth and we keep preaching it, declaring it, believing it. I pray, Lord Jesus, I prayed earlier that our young people will know you that we become a church that's so passionate about who you are and what you've done that we live it out. Will you bless us, Lord? In Jesus' name, give us a good day. Amen. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless you.